Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden in Plain Sight. I'm your host, Eric Ryder, and I thank you so much for finding us and taking a listen. On the show today, it's a little bit shorter than usual. This is kind of a bonus edition, if you will, of Hidden in Plain Sight. We talked to Audrey Morris, who is the violin player that was in the band Jack when they recorded the album Pioneer Soundtracks as well, or Pioneer Soundtracking by the Jacks, as Anthony Reynolds (laughs) called it uh, last time uh, on the show. Anthony Reynolds, of course, the singer and uh, one of the co-songwriters behind the band Jack and the side project Jacques, who Audrey uh, plays on the first record of as well. So, I, I hope you'll find this interesting. When I talked to Anthony Reynolds uh, a couple weeks ago, he wasn't quite entirely sure how Audrey had joined Jack or uh, why she left the band. And so we got the straight scoop from Audrey herself on how that all came to be. So Audrey is a very talented violin player, and she's played on many records aside from the Jack album. And if you want to learn more about Audrey, you should check out her website, AudreyMorrisMusic.com. She currently lives in New York City and is a music therapist. So you can find out all about that uh, on AudreyMorrisMusic.com. And we talk a little bit about it in the podcast here today. So hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for checking us out. I'll be back. So, Audrey, thanks so much for uh, talking to me. The last uh, recording that we did or the last uh, podcast that we did was with Anthony Reynolds from the band Jack. And we talked quite a bit about the debut album from Jack, Pioneer Soundtracks. And you were a big part of that record. Uh, at, at the time, you were the violinist in the group. Um, and you wrote the string arrangements, is my understanding. But um, Anthony didn't have, uh, you know, a great memory about how you joined Jack, how that came to be, um, and, or, you know, your involvement. He seemed a little hazy on how that, that got I'm not started. i knowing Anthony. Yeah. yeah, Pioneer Soundtracks was just a dream to work with uh, Pete Bosch. And uh, yes, I did play violin and write the string arrangements. I also did quite a bit of keyboard and piano on that album, too. I just wanted to say that since that was such a fun experience um so so yes uh, let, let me just jump in let's start from the beginning because you're an american uh a new yorker and uh, you know of course jack was uh, initially based in wales and then a new lineup started in london and that's the lineup that uh, recorded pioneer soundtracks so how does an american get involved with a british band Oh, great question. Um, yeah, I went to England for what was supposed to be a junior year abroad. At, um, I was actually at Cambridge University studying maths, of all things. Um, that lasted for two years. I ended up uh, dropping out of that course, moving to London, and I've always been a violinist. So I was uh, pretty much supporting myself, busking in the tubes and doing what my love was, which was playing in a lot of different bands writing string arrangements, um, having a great time in the early 90s in London. Um, So I guess 
I met Anthony. I remember this from my my first band I ever played in was um, a weird band called Charm. Uh, it was how do I even describe it? It was uh, influenced a lot by some of the same influences: Jack Scott Walker, Serge mm-hmm. Gainsbourg, Jacques Brel. Uh, no guitars, so it had a very different sound. And we ended up playing on the same set as a band somewhere in South London. I can't remember where it was. The band was called. Revolution 9, uh, which was a really interesting kind of noise rock band. And the cellist and I became friends. His name was David Barbanel. I've seen him recently playing in another group. Um, anyway, David's younger brother, Daniel, played clarinet. And apparently he had done some work with an early incarnation of Jack in London. Um, so it was through Daniel that um, Anthony ended up sending me a demo tape uh, of Jack. Really rough demo tape. Um, and originally I had told Anthony, yeah, I'm so busy of getting, doing all these other bands. <clears throat> Excuse me. I really don't have time for another project. Then I listened to the demo, Nairbor specifically hearing Dress You in Mourning. And I was blown away by that, even with a rough quality demo. So I ended up calling Anthony and saying, I changed my mind. Yeah, let me in. Um, let me try this out. So that's how I ended up meeting uh, the six guys of Jack and uh, eventually joining the group and uh, recording Pioneer soundtracks with them. Wow. And can you talk about how the the songwriting process happened? I know, like, officially it's Matthew and Anthony that wrote the songs, but I did they, like, come up with charts for you, or did you, like, listen and kind of play by ear to what they were coming up with? How did how did that work? Yeah, um, I did uh, end up with the, the song charts, and I remember Anthony had some very specific ideas about where and what he wanted with some of the string arrangements, but um, really the melodic line and um, uh, a lot of the, uh, well, a lot of what was going on was coming from my head. Uh, I remember spending a lot of time sitting in, in pubs in Camden in the daytime with a beer in front of me in the sunshine doing the charts for, for mostly for string quartet. There was some solo violin stuff as well, but uh uh, writing out these string quartet parts um, based on the, the harmonies and the, the arrangement of the song. Um, Dress You in Mourning, I remember in particular there was some issues with how much time in the instrumental would I have to play around with uh, what was going on. And uh, Pete Walsh was very organized with uh, getting all the uh, the actual timings down for that. Um, but uh, it, was, it was really a lot of fun. And... It's, you know, I still listen back to that album and I'm like, wow, this is, this is really great stuff. I can listen to this, you know, for fun, for me, um, not just because I was involved with it. Yeah. Well, it is a great record. And it, when you played with Anthony in December, uh, when he did a, a solo gig, although it was you and Anthony uh, in New York, just hearing those violin lines live, it just made me realize how big a part of those songs that they were. You know, really, it's the the instrumental melody came mostly from the violin, and I didn't really realize that until hearing it live uh, with you playing. It was That was pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks. I'd like to think that that was an important part of the songs and uh, how people remember them. Um, again, a lot of those violin lines also came from just 
playing in the band and doing so many live gigs so that by the time we were actually recording the the set, I kind of knew what the, the top melody line would be. And then in some cases, really just filling out that with many different parts. I remember FU had a lot of different multi-tracks of the string quartet going on. Um, but uh, yeah, it was... It's good stuff. It really holds up over the years. It's amazing to think it was 25 years ago this summer that we, we actually recorded that album. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Time <laughs> flies. So uh, just jumping ahead in the career here. So when you did play uh, the gig with Anthony, uh, it seemed like, you know, all that stuff would just came back to you naturally. Did you have actually have to go and you know work on that for a long time uh to get those lines back or did <laughs> did it all just come flooding back to you as you started working or rehearsing with him some of it did come flooding back which mm-hmm. i was surprised about because uh you know my memory of music uh, goes over time and there's been so many other projects i've worked on i mean i did have to listen to the the albums again and take take a few notes but anthony and i just we had one rehearsal the day before that show and and we were both amazed that after all these years, it felt so comfortable and great working with each other again. Um, it was a really enjoyable experience doing that show and uh, you know, sparking some creative ideas for things that might happen in the future. Who knows? Yeah, very cool. So as far as recording the record, do you have any like stories or uh, memories of that time <laughs> that uh, stick out to you now? I'm just thinking of the the two days that we had set for doing the actual string recording, which came late in the recording process. Of course, they they got Patty's drums down first and the the other lines. Um, And I had hired um, some friends of friends to to be the rest of the string quartet. I was playing first violin and Mm -hmm. second violin viola cello come in. They were all very busy freelance players, so it was really hard to schedule them in for two full whole days of of playing and and I remember that Pete, um, our wonderful producer, came down with a really really bad case of the flu for those two days. Um, a summer flu it was really warm, beautiful summer, summer of '95, and uh, he felt like complete shit and could barely sit up in the uh, in the recording engineer's chair since he was the engineer as well. And you know, he told me at the end of those two days, if it wasn't because I know your string players were going on and doing something else and there's absolutely no other time they could come into the session. He said, I would have not shown up for the, those two days and called out sick. Um, but he stuck it out um, and we got through it. And uh, my God, the results he, he got, um, and particularly with some of the effect stuff, I'm thinking of the beginning of FU with the backwards guitar mm-hmm. and the, the violin tremolos. I mean, it just sounds absolutely gorgeous and who knows what he did, but he worked his magic in the studio. Yeah. And after the record came out, you guys toured Europe quite extensively. And, of course, the UK. Do you have any fond memories of the, or even not so fond memories, of, <laughs> of the touring or the promotion of the album? Um, they were fun times. They were crazy times. Um I remember one time in particular, I think we did a gig in Manchester and uh, and we were going up there in, in a van and it wasn't like a, a van made for people. It was just literally the back of a van, no windows. Anthony got to sit in the um, next to the driver in the front of the van and the rest of us were locked in um, 
you know, no air, no breathing space as if we were cargo. And that was fine. I didn't mind it. I must have been young. I would not have tolerated that. But there, there's some crazy road stories. And then I remember also we, we were supporting Strange Love, a really fun band. Um, but uh, they could outdrink Jack. And I was very impressed by that because I don't think I knew anybody who could drink more than Jack. Yeah, I was going to say, having hung out with Anthony, that's yeah. saying something. <laughs> but it was it was great times, yeah. And uh, and that was that was a really fun period. So after the tour, you I believe you worked on the the Jacques record, at least the first one, uh, How to Make Love. Uh, do you remember anything about that? Yeah, actually, that was that was a crazy recording process too. Um, Anthony had sent me some demos he wanted me to do some more string arrangements for, and this time I was just doing uh, layers of violas and violins. Um, so I was going to do all the strings myself. I don't play cello, and he sent me a cassette tape, and he must have recorded the cassette tape on a player that was either a little too fast or too slow because I'd written out all the parts. And then the day of the recording came up and I went to Momus's house somewhere, I think it was in Notting Hill, a really beautiful house he had where his home studio was. And I realized when I started to play that um, the keys, I'd written all these complicated parts in um, was the wrong key because Anthony's cassette player wasn't playing up to the speed that right. he had meant it to play. So I ended up actually only doing one song on that album, whereas I'd written maybe six different uh uh, parts or songs worth of arrangements for that. So uh, that was a kind of a disappointment and a, an analog disappointment that would not have happened in this digital yeah. age. Or I wasn't so adept at uh, transposing the key by a half step on the spot. So I think Anthony said they had like a week to record that <laughs> that album. So <laughs> I, I imagine you just didn't have time to rewrite those parts then. Yeah, it was that one shot in the studio, but uh, but I ended up uh, playing on uh, one song on that, which which is a beautiful song as well. Yeah. So um, and then before the second record came out, you ended up leaving Jack. W what happened there? And uh, I mean, you don't have to <laughs> tell us if it's yeah. too personal or anything, but. Um, uh, you know, they uh, Jack went on to make two more records, and you, you weren't involved. Um, and being such a central part of the initial lineup, um, you know, that must have been a tough choice. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm glad to think that I was such a central part of the initial lineup. I ended up actually spending about eight months in the States in 1996. Um, so I was separated from the band during that period. And at that point, um, I believe it was Ruth had come in and she was playing. She played on the second Jack album. Um, so, yeah. So basically when I got back to London eight months later, they'd moved on. I did end up doing the... Um, the Jacques album with Anthony, but uh, uh, I ended up playing in a lot of different bands after that. But uh, that's that's how I ended up not being in Jack anymore. Was after spending a bunch of time back home in New York. Okay, all right. And you know, since then you've gone on to play on a few other people's records. Um, anybody in particular that stands out in your memory as being a, a, a great experience, or again, conversely, a really bad experience. <laughs> Um, well, there's been many, um, I guess, uh, so hard to think on the spot. Um, IMX, um, with 
the singers Chris Corner of Sneaker Pimps. Um, I ended up doing some work on his first two albums, including mm-hmm. uh, just some string, I call them rearrangements. Um, it was just string versions of some of his songs. Um, Ebe Oak is a wonderful performance artist who I've worked with. He's based in London, but he's American, so I've worked with him both here and in London. And it was actually through him I reconnected with David Barbanel, the cellist through whom I ended up joining Jack because of um, so small world. But he he works with uh, Eve as well, and Eve is um, very connected to both Laurie Anderson and Brian Eno, who I had the pleasure of meeting on a couple of occasions in New York. Um, uh, who else? Many others. A band called the Morrigan, which was a kind of a trance band with a Celtic, Irish-inspired singer-dancer fronting the band. We ended up playing one of the smaller tents in Glastonbury in 1999 and playing at many festivals across the UK. So there's been a lot. And then there's been classical music. I've always been a classical musician, currently co-concert master of the Greenwich Village Orchestra in New York. Um, And I'm a music therapist, so I'm and private practice in music therapy, currently working online during the pandemic season, but uh, had uh, many different musical projects going on. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's awesome that you've uh, been able to continue working in music um, even after leaving, you know, uh, the rock and roll <laughs> lifestyle. A lot of people that... I uh, completely left. Oh, I wanted to say, too, I play in a wonderful band called Myrna and the Bulldog. We continue to play in New York, or we will whenever the... The club's open in New York again. That's more of an Americana band. So Very cool. Do you have an online presence so people can go check it out? AudreyMorseMusic.com. So my full name, AudreyMorseMusic.com. Perfect. And then we can find the various projects. Yeah, I keep up to date with the projects there. (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, Let's see. Well, just quickly glancing at the uh, your credits on Discogs, it looks like you played on a Joan Osborne record. Is that true? Oh, no, I haven't. But that's interesting okay. that that comes up. <laughs> I'd like to claim credit for that. But, uh, <laughs> that's on Discogs? Okay. Yeah, yep. it's, it's, you were on the Songs yeah. of Bob Dylan al- album. Wow. So. That's, that's interesting with the internet. <laughs> I've also been called a cellist many times. I believe that's because... Uh, one of Jack's old managers had a cellist named Audrey on the roster. And back in the, in the nineties, we like to think we were so important, like Madonna and Prince, we went around without using last names. So uh, that cellist Audrey and I got confused a lot. <laughs> so I know there's a lot of uh, stuff online saying that I've done cello playing, which I have not wish I good, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, very good. Well, um, any any lasting memories uh, or stories about your days in Jack uh, that, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> that you want to leave us with? Trying try to keep it all nice and a, <laughs> and a PG red. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It was wild times. We were young. We partied, partied a lot, um, mm-hmm. to say the least. But it was just so much fun to to be a part of that upcoming. Uh, scene of indie bands and um, one of the thrills was say meeting Neil Hannon and uh, from the Divine Comedy Divine Comedy one of my favorite bands same and, um, I remember meeting him in the front of the Water Rats pub we were both being um, promoted by the same publicist at the time I believe and I'm thinking wow you know his 
this band is just so awesome and you know we're considering on that level um one other note that kind of sticks with me is i remember we were playing at the electric ballroom opening for lush and uh we'd just been featured as like the band of the week in time out london magazine back in the days when print press meant something and yeah waiting pressing the buzzer on the the stage door waiting to go in for the sound check some afternoon in uh in camden town and uh someone came up to me and they'd seen my picture in the band in time out and i said oh can we have an autograph and i said yeah wow i'm famous sure i'll give you an autograph and then someone came up behind them and said i have no idea who you are but can i have an autograph too <laughs> so, uh, so that was uh, definitely my 15 minutes of fame was uh, due to being in Jack in those days. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you helping to um, kind of shed some light on the recording of um, Pioneer Soundtracks, because it is one of my favorite records of all time as oh, I'm well. I'm so glad. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. And I, again, it was really cool to see you perform along with Anthony again. I, I never got to see um, Jack live, so that's, that was probably the closest I'll get. And just to hear those strings live it just was an amazing experience. So thank you for being willing <laughs> to play with Anthony and play those songs because it sounded great. Oh, thanks so much. It's such a pleasure to have you there. And uh, it was such a fun experience playing those songs again. Some of my favorites as well. Thanks again for checking out this edition of Hidden in Plain Sight. My thanks again to Audrey Morris for taking the time. It was a lot of fun talking to her again. I got to meet her uh, along with Anthony in New York this last year when Anthony played his first and only gig so far in the United States. And it was a lot of fun uh, to hang out with both of them. Again, if you haven't checked out Jack, you are missing a criminally overlooked band that uh, if you're a fan of bands like the Divine Comedy or the Walker Brothers, stuff like that, then you definitely want to check them out. We don't know exactly who our next guest on Hidden in Plain Sight is going to be, so we'll save that as a surprise. But you'll be the first to know if you follow us on Facebook uh, at Hidden in Plain Sight Podcast or on Twitter. We're at Hips Podcast on Twitter. Still working on getting an Instagram at some point, but in the meantime, just follow us on those platforms and be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. And thanks again for checking us out today. Hope you're all staying well and healthy, and we love you.